Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Well, hey, good to see you all. This is a great turnout. So what I want to do is I want to uh, begin with a little prayer. I'm going to ask you guys some questions and then we're like taking just a little dip, that's it, just a little dip into this topic, uh, which I don't, I think the title was something like sin-filled spooky stuff, or I don't know what the title, basically we're going to talk a little bit about just like God's vision of humanity, the earth, and then how that gets applied to some things going on in our own culture right now, all right? So why don't we begin with prayer, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, you can just repeat after me. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill our hearts. Fill our hearts. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We need you. We need you. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We love you. We love you. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We expect you. We expect you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Good job. A few more people coming in. Come on in. What you've missed out is people just just going crazy about my name. So we'll just try it again. Father Ryan Mann. Yeah, I didn't want any of you to feel left out. Great. All right, good. So I want to ask a few questions of you guys, and just you can just raise your hand. It'll probably be the easiest way to do it. How many people here have ever experienced or seen someone possessed by a demon? All right, Billy, you're different. Put your hand down. All right, good. Okay, good. So that's just, just to start off, when you hear about things like possessions and demons, if you've ever seen some of the movies or things, we start to kind of approach this with like, oh, that's weird and kind of interesting and scary and awkward all at once. But the word possessions are really rare. Right? Very, very few cases get to the level of possession. But then don't make the mistake and think it's not a thing. That there's no such thing as the devil, okay? Raise your hand if you know of someone, and this could be through social media or in person, who's involved in things like crystals and things like that. Raise your hand. Yeah, look around the room for a second, all right? Like 99% of you, hands go up. So that's a thing, all right? So now raise your hand if you know of someone who is really into horoscopes. Different than like, oh, I read it just to see. I could care less. But like, they are like looking at these things, believing them. They constantly ask you what your sign is and things like that. Great. Okay. All right. Nice. Raise your hand if you know anyone who's ever been to a fortune teller or a medium of any way, shape, or form. All right. About half. Nice. All right. Raise your hand if you know of uh, a place while you're driving, you pass a fortune teller, you know where they are, like if you want to go, you would see them. All right, good, all right, good, good, good. Thanks for sharing, all right? I know that, felt, that helped us bond. I don't know if you felt it, but I did. All right, great, very close, good. This is what I want to begin with, right, is sin-filled spooky stuff, I think was the title they gave this thing, right? I, I don't speak on these things. In fact, when they gave me the title this year and the topic, I said no, they said, would you speak? I said, no. All right. Then someone else from the same office called and asked again. I said, no, a second time. All right. Then they asked me a third time with a little more pressure based on the person who called me, and I said, yes, I acquiesced. Okay. 
But it's because it's not my, it's not my wheelhouse. These aren't things that I spend hours and hours studying and researching. Because first off, um, I hope because you can see by the end of this, it's pretty simple and it's a little boring once you get into it. What's really exciting is you. Each one of you is an unrepeatable image of God. And your journey and your story, which is unique to you, that's captivating. That's interesting. Demons, powers of darkness, they're not creative. God is creative. All they are are what's called, maybe you've heard your grandparents use this phrase. How about this for an old phrase? A one-trick pony, right? It means they do like one or two things over and over again. But because they're angels that are fallen and they're smarter and stronger than us, they're really, really good at using that one or two tricks to get us all tricked up. With that said, I want us to enter into a little bit of the scriptures. And before we do this, we need to begin with, as many of you know, who died last week? Great. How old was he? Oh, a bunch of Catholic nerds. That's great. Good job, guys. All right, great. Good job. Very proud of you all. Good. All right, Pope Benedict, brilliant Pope, and I just want to quote him a few times, just kind of honor him, but also he helps us. He says, every human being, that means eight billion, all right, every human being is on the journey. We're all on the same journey called into the future. And he says, in this journey, we really all actually want to know if we're on the right path, because we would hate our journey to end in a desert or in nothingness. Like no one wakes up and says, I can't wait for this day to be totally nothing. We all want our life to end somewhere beautiful. We want our life to have meaning. We want love, purpose, beauty, joy, adventure, excitement. No one's like, nah, I don't care. This is one of the reasons why solitary confinement is a punishment. Right? In jail, that's one punishment. Within jail, there's a further punishment called solitary confinement. You, there's no journey. You're just there, day after day after day. So he says, all life is about a journey, and we want the journey to end well. And not only do we want it to end well, he says, what this means is what we're looking for, what you're looking for, me, your friends who are atheists, your uncle who thinks you're practicing the wrong religion and condemns you and criticizes you at Thanksgiving and Christmas, and you're like, I can't wait to see you the next holiday. All of them, what everyone's looking for, Pope Benedict says, is life. The true life. The life that makes everything else worth living. The life that makes you come alive. That life that says, boy, that journey was worth it. That's awesome. And then Pope Benedict adds, now hear Jesus in the Gospel of John 10.10. I've come that you have life and have it to the full. So we're all on this journey, all 8 billion people in the world, whether they are atheist, Muslim, Jew, Hindu, Christian, Catholic, whatever else they may believe in, witches, they're all, they're human. They can't not be human. And so we're all on the journey looking for this true life. And it's into that desire that the scriptures speak. See, without being in touch with that desire, the scriptures are a really odd book. Right? They make very little sense. There's a lot of rules in the Old Testament. God seems to be pretty moody at times. In the New Testament, good news, Jesus is talking about forgiveness. And then there's a guy, Paul, who's walking around everywhere. And then all of a sudden, we're in the, the book of Revelations and weird things happen again. We're like, all right, I guess that was nice. But without the desire for life to come fully alive, to make our journey of life worthwhile, the scriptures don't speak into the right place. And see, what the scriptures are meant to do is tell you 
the story of humanity from God's perspective. Why did God create anything? Why are you and I here? What's it mean to be human? Why are there rings around Saturn? Why do people get sad at death? Why do we hate suffering? Why on Christmas morning do little kids bring so much joy to the world? Why do we like our buddies when we're laughing? Why do we hate when people badmouth us on social media? Why do we dislike that? It happens all the time. Shouldn't we be used to it? What does it tap into? Why is all these human dynamics happening? Scriptures are meant to shine light on that. And there's a priest in Michigan named Father John Ricardo. He tries to capture the whole Bible in four words. So I'm going to give them to you right now. Created, captured, rescued, response. Created, captured, rescued, response. Now when you take a whole book like the Bible and reduce it to four words, you're ignoring some things. But created, why is there something rather than nothing? Because a God who has no need, no loneliness, it's not like God was like, I'm so lonely, I don't know what to play with, I'll make humans. No, he's fine, he's totally happy. Happy, like happy in such a degree that you and I can't even fathom the level of happiness in God. And he said, you know what, I want to create all sorts of things, and then above all, I want to create man and woman so they can share in my happiness. That's why he creates. But then something goes wrong captured. If it was so beautiful in the beginning, just like consult your own heart or your social media pages or the news, like what went wrong? What happened? That's captured. We are captured by the powers of darkness and now we're separated from that life we always long for. If this is the bad news, we've been captured. Did God do anything about it? Rescued. God sent Jesus to rescue us from these powers of darkness and give us the hope of the life again that we've been looking for. And then response. If Jesus did that for us, how are we going to respond? Created, captured, rescued, response. What I want to do for today is continue to narrow in more and more on the one who captures us. The one who enslaved all of humanity. Here in Cleveland, some of you might be a little too young to, remember, to know the story, but a few years ago, it was a terrible story of Amanda Berry and some other captures. And this terrible human trafficking ring just on the near west side of Cleveland. This guy held four or a couple women captive for years, doing unspeakable things to these women. It's terrible what he did. Took them from a life of joy and hope and meaning and beauty and friends and family and hobbies and things to do on the weekends and what are you going to do this weekend? Let's go out to dinner or lunch. Stole it all and put them in a house, chained them up and kept them there for years. I'm not exaggerating when I say that is not even as close as awful as what the enemy of our human nature wants to do to each one of us. That's really bad. But that only gives us a little glimpse at how awful the plan is that the enemy has for you and me. Now that I've set the stage of being really dramatic and intense and all of us are thinking I should have just gone to lunch, let me read some scripture. It's the book of Revelations. There's a big war in heaven and there's two main battle people. Michael, the archangel, is fighting against Lucifer, Satan, or the devil. You can pick whatever name you'd like. We'll just call him the devil or Satan for right now. And it says, The great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to fill in the blank. He was thrown down to? Great. A lot of you said hell. Let me read the scripture to you. He was thrown down to earth 
And his angels were thrown down with him, which it claims in Scripture is about a third of the angels. This is the first thing in which we're confused about in our culture, in our world, and there's no shame. We think, okay, devil in hell, somewhere down there, but we don't know what down there means, but we just gesture. And then God in heaven, we kind of point up there, we don't know what that means, but heaven somewhere. And then we have this weird third space. And it's like, well, this is called earth, and we just kind of, you know. But the Bible doesn't have a third space. The devil was thrown down to earth. Right? So this is the territory. In fact, this is so much the territory that in the Gospels, Jesus will say things like, the ruler of this world is being cast out. Well, he doesn't mean like a government leader. He means the one who was condemned to earth, Satan or the devil, the deceiver. He goes on to say, I see Satan fall like lightning. Jesus himself right after his baptism, goes into the desert and is attacked by Satan three times with major painful temptations. See, the biblical worldview unlocks an experience of earth that we kind of like, well, isn't that just like a little intense? Like, can't we just find a way to... Don't they really just mean... There's a lot of definitions of what it means to be Catholic. Here's one that I really, I think, is very, very helpful. To be Catholic means to receive and share in the mind and heart of Jesus. To be Catholic means to receive and share in the mind of heart in Jesus. Which means, if you're going to really live out your Catholic faith, what you're really doing is participating intimately in Jesus' view of the world. You're seeing things the way he sees them. You speak about God and pray to God the way he did, a father. You relate to other people the way he did, never condemning sinners, but very hard on sin, but incredibly compassionate, encouraging, and merciful on those who struggle with sin. And for the sake of today, you also see that the world is not neutral. There's an enemy, and he's after you. Not you like all, I don't know, this is being recorded, so all 10,000 of you. They can't see, they can only hear. <laughs> all like a hundred or so of you. Not like collectively, but each one of you by name. And he hates you so much because you are a unique, unrepeatable image of God. That no one else can make God present in the world the way you do. And you've been baptized, which means you're a temple of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit lives in you. So you have power, beauty, glory, goodness that is unbelievable. It moves people who have the eyes to see. It moves Jesus. So part of being intimate with Jesus is to enjoy people. And the enemy hates it because he sees it echoing and speaking so much of good, the goodness of God. So here, this is interesting. If someone were to ask you, why did Jesus come into the world? Someone might say very piously, the salvation of souls. True, great, nice. Someone may say Jesus came into the world to uh, bring peace to the world. Okay, to some degree, yeah, if you understand that the right way. He came to forgive sins. Yeah, no, these are all great things. Let's consult the Bible, see how the Bible answers it. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. The reason the Son of God appeared, so we're in Christmas season still, right? We're all just singing all these songs, joy to the world. We're all happy and giddy and can't wait to drink eggnog and all these things. And then it says, oh, the reason the Son of God came into the world was to sing Christmas songs. No, it says the reason the Son of God 
appeared and came into the world was to destroy the works of the devil. Right there, it's just... This isn't like I stayed up late and translated my own Bible. This is like an official thing. Right? That's why I read it out of here. It's a Bible, real theft. Right? He came to destroy the works of the devil. I'm kind of building this case up for all of you for the very reason that uh, it's not neutral. You and I aren't living in a neutral time, in a neutral space, in a neutral world. Like super meaningful activity is happening constantly around you. The kingdom of God, which is infinitely stronger than anything else, full of power, might, beauty, love, tenderness, mercy, angels, saints, the Trinity, Mary and Joseph, they're all just like, walk. you ever seen like a rapper on the red carpet? He has his posse behind him, right? That's like Jesus. He has a posse of angels, the Father, the Holy Spirit, Mary and Joseph. They're just always coming around you. They're seeking you through friends, through your conscience. They're seeking you through text messages that are inspiring through media. They want to be near you and lift you up to remind you of how unbelievably great you are and the call of God on your life to become holy. But at the same time, in the same world, in the same place, is the kingdom of darkness. And the kingdom of darkness has one goal, to keep you out of friendship with the kingdom of love, goodness, and light. The only goal of the kingdom of darkness is to keep you out of friendship, keep you away from, keep you suspect, judgmental, like aloof, cold, hardened, not interested in, thinking it's stupid, filling you with lies and darkness and discouragement and telling you, first off, if you're gone down a bad path, you can never turn around and be redeemed, forgiven, and healed. And to tell you that to go down this dark path, it's fine. It's that your grandparents being kind of rigid, that your parents not knowing anything. Of course the priest is going to say that. No, we know how to have fun. We'll be fine. We'll be good. Kingdom of darkness, kingdom of light. Kingdom of loneliness, kingdom of love. Kingdom of despair, anger, self-hatred and accusing God. Kingdom of freedom, joy and peace. They're at work. They're at battle over us. This is a real thing. How do we know it's a real thing? Well, let's say you had migraines for a week. You couldn't see real well. Like, I got to get to a doctor. So you go to a doctor. And the doctor's a brain surgeon. And he goes... We have to take some scans. He takes some scans and he says, I have really sad news for you. You have brain cancer. We need to do surgery immediately. Well, you probably wouldn't say, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. He's like, I'll figure it out. It's not that bad of a thing. I'm fine. Well, when it comes to the spiritual realm, we as a church consult exorcists. We think they are the brain surgeons, if you will, of the spiritual life. And exorcists get their knowledge, particularly from Christ and the saints, and studying the 2,000-year tradition. I've had the chance to study with two of the major exorcists of the United States. And one was good friends with St. Padre Pio. He's in 94 right now. And uh, they're both very reasonable men. They're not, like, nervous. They're not, like... Uh, you know, if you sneeze and don't say God bless you, the, de- the demons got you. They're not crazy. They're normal. But they're not naive. And I'm going to share a little bit about what they've shared with me in just a moment. But I just want to let you know that that's the authority. That's where we get these things from. That's where we come to understand really what's going on. 
Let's talk for a moment then about some of the major things that your generation probably more than mine is exposed to as you raised your hand anyways, but things like crystals, horoscopes, Ouija boards, fortune tellers, and we would say very dramatically, demonic art, but you may just say art of pentagrams and things like that. They're just cool. They're fine, right? There's no big, let's not get dramatic. But there's some things we need to be attentive to here. So first thing about crystals I want to say is this. There has been no scientific medical evidence that shows crystals help with any healing. None. Now, I'm sure we can all find something online that said they help with healing. Just like I'm sure you can read an article online that someone could write that says, Father Ryan Mann doesn't exist. I assure you I do. Otherwise, it's hard to explain the last 20 minutes of your life. But there's no like official, dignified, reputable, scientific source that say crystals do anything. So all the celebrities that are doing it, all the people that are saying, you need to have this, you need to go out to Sedona in Arizona and charge it against the major rock, and then your crystal has all this energy to help protect you and heal you and all these things. There is no scientific evidence of this. Why do I say that? Because our culture is odd. In one sense, it says science is our God. It gives us the answers. It will meet all of our needs. You just have to trust science There's nothing that's invisible or spiritual to life. Everything is verifiable, can fit under a microscope. Science will give you all your answers. And then on the other side, you have our culture saying, hey, there's these rocks. And if you hide them, if you carry them around your neck, you won't get sick. Or you'll have positive vibes and you'll smile all day. And you're like, oh, interesting. Same culture tells us both. How does the church respond to things like crystals? Well, first, exorcists in the Vatican have made sure they did studies to say, is there something we don't know about? Could there be a natural remedy to something that God created like a rock that we're not aware of? So they tested them. Okay, nothing. So they went to the scientific experts first and said, oh, there's no medical evidence. Okay, well then let's scratch behind the surface a minute. What rocks or crystals really are trying to say is there is a spiritual invisible, we can call it energy, force, reality, that is tied up with this rock that is going to help you if you just stay devoted to this way of life and this worldview. Well, if it's not from God, and we know we're not in a neutral space, who's at work? Who's the one deceiving us? Not by saying, hey, let's go to Walmart and find old people and knock them down on the road and take their money. Why wouldn't we do that? Because it's obvious. The deceiver of human nature isn't dumb. But let me just get you interested. Let me just pique your interest. In fact, let me get people who don't really know anything about being wholly, fully human. Let me get some celebrities and get them to wear it and talk about it. And then let's set that filter down through some social media. And it just becomes normal. I was just in Florida this week with Father Eric Garris on vacation. And I can't tell you how many girls walking down this road that we were on, this main strip of the street. And they were having, they had rocks or crystals as jewelry. If you go back and look at your grandparents' pictures, they weren't wearing it. It's something new, subtle. It gets into culture and then builds. Well, what is the belief around it? Well, the belief is this is somehow going to help you. It's a rock. Minus having a pet rock when you were like in kindergarten, I'm not sure what it's meant to do except tap into an invisible spiritual reality that is not Jesus Christ, which means it's something else at work. 
But what is attractive about crystals? Healing. The main promise they bring is they will heal you. Well, of course that's attractive. But with all New Age spiritualities, what they want is the effects of Jesus and Christianity without the person, rules, and the guidance of Christianity. They want the power, they want the healing, they want the knowledge, but what they don't want is the faith, trust, and dependence on Jesus Christ. I'm going to snapshot a few of these quickly here. Okay, horoscopes. What do horoscopes try to give us? Well, knowledge of humanity to help us navigate relationships. Oh, you're a Pisces? I'm an Aquarius. Sorry, we can't date because it wouldn't work. And you're like, oh, that's interesting. I thought maybe like habits and treating people with kindness and love and respect is how relationships are formed, not a fish. (laughs) But I don't want to mock this too much, although to me it is laughable, I'll be honest, but because people really believe these things. But once again, what is the belief here? Well, the belief is that somehow I can have a knowledge of human nature of myself or another, apart from Jesus Christ, apart from God who created us. So that will help me navigate relationships. Those aren't bad desires. Just like it's not bad to want healing. It's not bad to want to know how to navigate relationships and live human life in a way that's full of love and flourishing. But when we take that desire for fulfillment to something other than God and his plan, we're now participating with another reality in the world. Does it mean you're possessed, awful, dirty, or bad? No, the Bible has a word for it. It means you're a sinner. And good news, God loves us, even while we're sinning. And he's always holding out his hand saying, turn back to me. I can cleanse you. I can set you free. And you'll come to discover the freedom and joy you've been looking for. Here's another one. Ouija boards. Uh, Raise your hand if you know anyone who still uses Ouija boards. Okay, very few. This was really big when I was in high school, Ouija boards. And um, they're not as big, all right? But what do Ouija boards do? Well, Ouija boards, you put your fingers on them and you ask this question and supposedly the spirits guide you to spill out an answer, okay? If you were of my friends, you would just spill out the answer to make fun of your buddy, okay? But it's still participating in it. So I had to repent of this when I started taking my faith seriously. But Ouija boards, what do they do? They try to experience and communicate with a realm beyond what is physical for knowledge. Now, if you were to make that holy, that's called prayer. Remember, there's a kingdom of love and there's a kingdom of isolation. There's a kingdom of God and a kingdom of darkness. They're both at work in us. They're both at work in this world, trying to get our attention and our hearts. Where do we give ourselves to? What do we pledge our allegiance to? Fortune tellers are trying to give you knowledge of the future. All of this, like I said, is in a major way trying to avoid our humanity. What do I mean by that? Do you know what it means to be human? One of the deepest truths is depending. You have to depend on others to be human. It means you go through times of insecurity. Does he like me? Will she say yes if I ask her out? What are my mom and dad going to think when I bring home a C plus? I'm insecure. It means vulnerability. It means you have to wait on someone's answer for things. It means you can get hurt. It means you don't know if you're going to be compatible for someone dating. You don't know if you're going to make the sports team or the play or the band you want to be in. You don't know if you're going to get a job. You don't know if you're going to get into the college you want to. You're vulnerable to disappointment. 
And all of this would be unbearable and awful if it wasn't for the fact that the Son of God became human and actually entered into all of those realities. He knows rejection. He knows abandonment. He knows what it means to be mocked. He knows what it means to have a plan and invite people to it and people not want to participate in your ideas. He knows it all because he said, I'm not afraid of what it means to be human. I love humanity. Not only that, those who are willing to be human, to be fragile, to be small, to be weak, to be vulnerable, they are the ones I'll share my power with. And through them, I will actually transform things into miracles. In another letter of John, it says this, this is how we know the Antichrist. Anytime you read something like that, that's a big deal. Like, oh, this is how? Okay, how? This is how we know the Antichrist. The one that denies Jesus Christ came in the flesh. Meaning, the one who thinks the power, knowledge, wisdom, and beauty of God can't come through human realities. Can't meet you in your humanity. And so what the demons are always trying to do is get you to hate your humanity. That it's bad to be a woman, it's bad to be a man, it's bad to be vulnerable and hurt. It's wrong to be rejected, it's wrong to be... So you know what? Fix it yourself. What Jesus and the angels say is, it is wrong to be rejected and abandoned and disappointed and hurt. But we're with you right there. And we love you. And we will work through you. The exorcists that I was speaking of, someone asked them, well, what if you're using crystals, horoscopes, all the new age stuff, but not to be like a demon worshiper, but just because you didn't know. You were just kind of having fun and trying to see what happened. And unanimously, all the exorcists say the same thing. doesn't matter. Here's the analogy that can help. If I'm really, really thirsty, like I am right now after talking to you for 35 minutes, if I'm really, really thirsty... And I come over here, here's my water bottle, but I knew that there was two water bottles that looked alike, and I knew one of them was for a science experiment, because we're in the Dolan Science Center, and it had poison in it. And I was like, I'm sure I'm fine, I don't mean to take poison. My intent doesn't really matter if I drink the poison. Similarly, this is how cruel the enemy is. He promises you tantalizing things and excitement and cool and fun and power and knowledge and all these things. And he's poisoning you and me. He wants you to have despair, discouragement, loneliness, fear, and hate your humanity. Where at Christmas we celebrate God so loves your humanity that he became like us to say, I'm with you in it and I will never leave you So what do you do if you have participated in any of these things? Well, I recommend you, next time you go to confession, just mention it. Just say, hey, Father, I just want to let you know that uh, I participated in fill in the blank. If you have anything like crystals, a Ouija board, fill in the blank, get rid of them. If you can, get holy water from your church, sprinkle holy water on them and bury them in the ground somewhere where you're not going to deal with them anymore. Burn them if you can. Get rid of them. Why? Because what if someone else who didn't get to know about the good news of Jesus picks them up and starts using them? 
I can tell you this, if there is no Satan, and all of you is a psychological idea, then a lot of what Jesus said sounded really stupid. He makes sense because there's someone who captured us and has continued to quite literally be hell-bent on removing you from the beautiful life God wants for you. Does this mean we start going around our schools or on social media and we start being like, all of you are demon worshipers and dirty and bad and gross. (laughs) Well, try it, let me know. (laughs) I don't think it would work. More importantly, I also don't think it's Jesus. I think Jesus' approach is always kind, always respectful, but unwavering. He invites people to greatness. And if you're writing things down and you got your phone, I just asked you to maybe search when you get a chance on lifeteam.com. There's a great article on crystals and Catholicism. This girl, I meant to print it out for all of you and I forgot. So uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's like five paragraphs. It's not long. But this girl talks about just noticing crystals all over the place. She was going to her counselor for a while and, oh, there, there are crystals there in these New Age books. And she realized that as she stepped away from that, took her faith more seriously, the peace she was looking for started to grow in her. So you guys get to live the life you want. That's the beautiful thing about freedom. It's also the scary thing about freedom. And so I just want to give you a final blessing before we head out here so we can get you to, uh, well, talk to you in a second, so we can get you to lunch in just a moment. So I want to end with a prayer, and then if any of you want to sacrifice lunch for a little bit and ask me questions, you can come up and do so, and, uh, and we'll go from there. So let's pray together. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, we give you the title Lord, but it just becomes so religious for us, that word. But it means you are the powerful one. You are in charge. You rose from the dead to show us that you can take on every attack from the power of darkness and you not only can rise, you become more glorious, more beautiful, more powerful and you show us that our humanity now has the power because of you at work in the sacraments to have the same victory. Bless all of us here with a clear mind. Give us a peaceful heart. If there's any little attacks from the enemy, we ask that you would get rid of them so that we might show to everyone in our world, everyone in our schools and on social media, the good news of what it means to be authentically human, made in the image and likeness of God. And through the intercession of St. Augustine, St. Basil the Great, and all the angels and saints, may God bless you with peace and joy, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.